0: The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was one hundred years old, when his son Isaac was born to him.
1: God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age.
0: So the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, scoffing. Therefore she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac your seed shall be called. Yet I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman, because he is your seed. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water, and putting it on her shoulder, he gave it and the boy to Hagar, and sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba, and the water in the skin was used up, and she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. <laughs> then she went and sat down across from him at a distance of about a bowshot, for she said to herself,
1: Let me not see the death of the boy.
0: <laughs> so she sat opposite him and lifted her voice and wept, and God heard the voice of the lad. And the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad and hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with water. And gave the lad a drink. So God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. He dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt.
2: Welcome to our journey through the book of Genesis, learning from each story the roots of the gospel. Today's story is most unusual. If you've not been with us, let me just catch you up. God has chosen a man named Abram to have a covenant with, to bless the world through, to bless the nations through a seed that he would give him, and to give him lots of seeds, as numerous as the stars in the heavens. And God initiated a covenant with him and made it by himself with Abraham. He changed his name to Abraham. With him while he was asleep, God made a covenant. And then as a sign of that covenant, the Lord instituted the practice of circumcision as a sign of Abraham's faith. Talk about faith. Very painful thing to go through. But he did it, and it was instituted that uh, any male child that would be born that was a descendant of Abraham, that child would be circumcised on the eighth day. And so Abraham was promised his miracle son. He was old. He was 75 when the Lord began initiating these conversations with him. And Abraham would ask, how, how, how? And when he was 86, he fathered a child. It was a bright idea, a good idea, but not a God idea. Got to watch out for those good ideas. We cannot fulfill God's plan in our flesh, in our cleverness. And so... Uh, because Abraham was blessed and God honors our choices, we live with the consequences. And today's story is part of those consequences. The, the problems arose between Sarah and Abraham's wife and Hagar, this surrogate mother, while she was pregnant, she got ran off, but an angel showed up and visited her, we'll see that today, and encouraged her and sent her back. And the child was born. 13 years later, during a visitation of God, uh, Abraham is uh, 99 and the lad is 13. The Lord institutes circumcision. And so Ishmael was circumcised as a, as a descendant of Abraham. Now, here we are a year or so later, and this child is born and he's named Isaac because they laughed in unbelief at this amazing promise that God would bless a 90-year-old woman and a 100-year-old man with a child. And as we covered last week, when the child was weaned, they threw a party. So if he was promised a year from the circumcision, uh, the child would be born. Ishmael was probably 14 when the baby was born. And in today's story, he could be 17. He nursed that child for three years? Yes, in primitive cultures, that's what happened. Sometimes we've known of babies being nursed till they're five. So uh, conservatively, you'd say the baby was three. So uh, Ishmael would be at least 17. And in the story, he's mocking the baby who is being celebrated. No doubt jealousy was in his heart. And so the child grew, verse 8, and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. So they're excited, a great celebration. This miracle baby has been born through whom the world is going to be blessed. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, scoffing. So he was laughing, but a different kind. Therefore she said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. You see the the dysfunction and the mess on their hands? They had just been patient and waited on God. It keeps things so much less complicated. And Abraham loved his wife, he loved his son. But this new son is the one through whom the promise is going to come because Sarah was given the promise too. God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac, your seed shall be called. His descendants would come through Ishmael, but also through Isaac, and this special seed, though, would come through Isaac, the Messiah. Yet I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman, because he is your seed. When you're blessed, you're blessed. And when you do the wrong things, and God's blessing is on it, some serious consequences. And we can see it in the world today. The conflict between Israel Israel. And the Arab nations, the descendants of Ishmael, is with us to this day. Because of unbelief, because of putting words in God's mouth, because of attempting to do God's will your way. We all want to be blessed, don't we? But we don't want our way. There's a principle here that we see in God accepting the secondborn and not the firstborn. We see it in Cain and Abel. And when Cain killed Abel, then we see it in Cain and Seth, the youngest of Adam and Eve's children. We see it in Jacob and Esau, the two sons of this man, Isaac. The seed flowed through Jacob, but not Esau. Esau was rejected. Well, what is this? Well, culture around the world to this day honors a firstborn. Uh, I'm a firstborn Son in my family, firstborn grandson on both sides of the family. It's a position of honor. But it is humbling to realize God wants us to be born again. So this applies to all of us, regardless of where you are in the birth order in your family. There's a spiritual principle. When you are born as a human, you're powered by your flesh, and it's all about your will being done. One of the first words a baby learns is, Mine! Mine, my will. But we are called to be born again, to let go of the mine and say yours, yours, your promise. So my first birth has to take a back seat to my second birth. It really has to die, right? So here Abraham is walking through a dress rehearsal of what's going to happen in the next story. He's having to run off his firstborn, which is very painful. But then in the next chapter, he's having to lay down his prized son, the firstborn through Sarah, on the altar as a possible sacrifice, acting out what would be done centuries later through the Son of God, who was also a descendant of Abraham. I'm getting so far ahead of myself, it's ridiculous. Verse 13, yet I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman because he is your seed. Verse 14, so Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and putting it on her shoulder. He gave it and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. Are you kidding me? This threw me for a loop. Abraham is wealthy. He just got incredibly blessed by Abimelech so he's got scores of cattle, sheep, oxen camels all sorts of blessings he in a few chapters earlier had 318 trained servants born in his house who led to the victory for Sodom and those that were captive by him and he sends them away with a skin of water and a loaf of bread. So two things brought peace to my heart. One is my own realization, and one is a commentary. John Calvin said, Abraham did this because he thinks he didn't want him to go very far. Remember 14, 17 years earlier, 18 years earlier, when uh, Sarah dealt harshly with Hagar, and she left, the angels sent her back so maybe he's hoping Sarah would cool down and they would have to come back. Or, this is all the Bible reveals. We don't know Abraham's plans to send provision to them. Right? You travel and things go by word of mouth and he could no doubt find them. He had the manpower to do it and to meet their needs. Or, the carnal side of me says he wanted to put a guilt trip on Sarah just to see... Who knows? The Bottom line is the story happened. The child of the flesh had to leave. This is a metaphor in the New Testament. Galatians 4 likens those who want to live under the law, which at the time was under the power of carnal men, high priests that were appointed by heathen kings, Herod. So Unbelievers had control of the Old Covenant ministry. And Paul in Galatians 4 likens them to Ishmael. They need to be cast out and walk in the new covenant, the Isaac, the covenant that Jesus brought for us. All right, so back to our story. So they leave with a skin of water and some bread. And she sent away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Verse 15. And the water in the skin was used up. And she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. Then she went and sat down across from him at a distance of about a bow shot. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. Now if he's 17, teenagers need more fuel than us old-timers need. It's true. And so he's running out of gas. And so she puts him under some shade and goes where she can't see him clearly. She doesn't want to see him die. So she sat opposite him and lifted her voice and wept. Now, 18 years later, she had a visitation from an angel that brought her promises from God. This is where he got his name, Ishmael, which means God hears. And it's where she got the revelation of God being El Roy. God sees. And so the God who hears is the God who sees, and he sees this issue happening. And God heard the voice of the lad. Verse 17, Then the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is." Ishmael has heard Ishmael. (laughs) Arise, lift up the lad and hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. So did the angel make the water appear or did the angel open her eyes to see the water? When our vision is clouded by jealousy, envy, and self-pity, we can't see God's provision. Got to have faith. And this sister is having her own journey of faith, just like Abraham had decades earlier in leaving his family. Then God opened her eyes. She saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. So God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. He dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. And there must have been some type of connection made with the house of Abraham and then because, as we'll see today, when Abraham dies, Isaac buries him with Ishmael. So he knew when his daddy died there. But the family unity didn't last for long. Two generations later when Joseph, who's the grandson of Isaac, great-grandson of Abraham, was sold into slavery by his own brothers, guess who they sold him to? Some slave traders who were Ishmael's grandkids. Their own cousins. Tough stuff. So, The moral of the story, if I were to stop right here, is be born again, and send your will away, and pursue God in his will. Amen. Lord, we ask you to speak to us from your word today, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm not done speaking, but I want to share some lessons from Ishmael's story, lessons from the Ishmael story, but before we do, I want to look at some pieces of art that artists have made from this story that are really not scriptural. Uh, here we have a European version of Abraham sending away Hagar, who's blonde-headed. She's an Egyptian. And a little boy. How cruel of Abraham. Oh, no, this kid was 17. He could have been as tall as Abraham. Could we have, if you're 14 and above, can you stand Yeah, look how tall these guys are. Yeah. Giants. So this picture's incorrect. Here's another one, a little boy just sobbing. No doubt he was not happy. It was sad. I, he probably said, I'm sorry, but Sarah, uh, Sarah wasn't having it. Don't want our son, the child of promise, being raised with a bully in the house. This is a little more realistic maybe he was a little guy all right lessons from the ishmael story when god blesses with his great promises believe be patient and obey what he says it's so simple now when god speaks uh, if it's prophetic the new testament says we prophesy in part we know in part, but that when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part will be done away with. There'll be a time when there'll no longer be the need for spiritual gifts. Now, I know the Bible is perfect as it is, but um, <clears throat> we still have a lot to learn, right? So we don't know it all. And so it's tied into knowledge, uh, and knowledge is, hasn't ceased. So I believe it's the day of perfection that's coming. Go, who's looking forward to heaven? All right. so if we're living in the time of prophecy, it's never the whole picture. So it's a framework of what God is going to do. You have to be careful that you do not fill in the blanks. It's ironic that we've got fill in the blanks in the notes today. (laughs) So don't get ahead of me and fill in the blanks. You might stop listening. So when God blesses us with His His great promises, Our part is to believe and be patient and obey what he says. And sometimes it's just wait, be faithful. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. Be worshipful, be prayerful, and hold on. Don't check out. In chapter 16, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Here's the big idea. She had an Egyptian maid servant whose name was Hagar. Sarai said to Abram, see now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please, notice she said please, please go into my young maid, (laughs) please go into my maid, perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai, not the voice of God. His defense would be, well, you said please. (laughs) Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband to be his wife after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. So he went in to Hagar, and she conceived. And Ishmael was on the way. (sighs) What a fateful day that was. There have been times in my life where I've attempted to do God's will my way. Even started a church once. I felt called to preach. And my own wife said, are you sure? In my my case, wife was the voice of reason. Are you sure God told us to do this? I said, I don't know. But I told those people I was going to do it, so I'm going to do it. So be careful what you tell others. Make sure it's not more than what God is saying. It was very painful. When it seems we are blessed, we should not assume everything is right with our heart. Well, I'm blessed. so Well, you're blessed because God loves you. Doesn't mean your heart is right with him. He's still going to call you to repent, to lay down your will, to surrender. When she saw that she had conceived, this is Hagar, her mistress became despised in her eyes so the evil in hagar's heart showed up with this blessing sarai said to abram my wrong be upon you i gave my maid into your embrace so she flipped she flipped positions on him you ever feel betrayed by somebody that flips position and when she saw that she had conceived i became despised in her eyes the lord judge between you and me And Abraham, being the jellyfish in this situation, said to Sarah, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she ran off. This is probably my favorite of the pictures I'm going to see today. See, Hagar's hand is on her tummy. And she's looking down with disdain on this barren older lady. And Sarai wasn't having it. The Lord can be merciful to us when we have not always been perfect in all our actions. So even though Hagar wasn't perfect, God sent mercy to her. So she's crying by a spring of water in the wilderness on the way to Shur, an angel appears and he says, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. So I'm going to bless you. But you got to go back. You can't survive out here. Go back and submit. Stop the evil eyes. Be humble. God's promise is fulfilled in our lives. It's never going to be because of our pride. Stomping around about your rights and your will being imposed on others. No. Humble yourself and God will bless you. I like this. This is nice. She's sitting down. She's sad. She's forlorn and an angel appears to her. We can be assured God hears and sees us. The heavens may seem like brass. God may seem like silence. And His silence may seem to confirm what your enemies are saying about you. But rest assured, God is everywhere. The angel of the Lord says to her, Behold, you are with child. You shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael. God hears. Because the Lord has heard of your affliction. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man. And every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. This is the truth. His descendants can be a thorn in the side of the world. (laughs) And you're not going to be able to wipe them out. Why? Why? There's a blessing upon him. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. Elroy, you see my need. You saw how I was a slave in Egypt. You saw how I was given to Sarai. You saw how I've been used. Well, I think the Bible's full of stories of women being mistreated. Yes? It doesn't hide the truth. But if they're not there to tell us that's how we're supposed to operate. Right? It's true. We see the results of polygamy. It's nothing but problems. She said, have I also here seen him who sees me? The God who sees is the God who sees me. Tell your neighbor, Elroy Roy sees you. Therefore, the well was called Beer... That's a word for well. Lahai Roy. Remember that name because we're going to see it again today. Beer Lahai Roy. Observe it is between Kadesh and Barad. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. God hears. Tell your neighbor, God Ishmael's you. The Lord's desires must rule over our desire. Our desire must die. Back in the days of the Jesus movement, they, a group called Love Songs had a song that went like this I was riding in the front seat, trying really hard to be the driver, thinking I was making real good time, but always winding up the late arriver. But now I'm riding in the back seat, and I'm leaving all the driving to the chief. Oh, 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 oh. Hey, we liked it. In chapter 17, God visits Abraham again and starts up again with these promises. When God gives you a promise and it's not fulfilled, it's tormenting. It's bringing All the worms of self-will that are in you to the surface to be dealt with. Bringing you to a a fresh level of of trust because you feel like an idiot when they don't come to pass. And you're tempted to do things in your will. You're tempted to speed God up. I know of a church where the pastor blackmailed the founding pastor to get his position. He was old, needed to retire, and he made some mistakes years ago. So he used that information to manipulate his way into position. He's had nothing but problems. Why? The Ishmael principle. You don't use blackmail to do God's will. So... Here here God starts up again with these promises. In fact, just the appearance of God, the voice of God, reminds him of the promises. And so he says, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. (laughs) This was Abraham's desire. Oh, that we were done with this waiting already. God said, no, Sarah shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Notice the play on words Ishmael in hearing. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget twelve princes and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. That's good news. And then comes the plan for circumcision in the same chapter, the testing of faith. So Abram took Ishmael his son, all who were born in his house, and all who were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskins on the very same day God had said to him that a year from now you have the child. So Abraham was 99 years old when he circumcised, when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. So Isaac born a year later, Ishmael's 14. Today's good ideas can cause tomorrow's problems. I'm saying the same thing different ways. I want to drive the point home. We see this theme in this story. Sarah, we read... Saul, Hagar's son, mocking her son. And she said, cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son. Ouch. Abraham's heart just gets ripped apart. She's got to go. Take the boy with you. While there are consequences for our mistakes, the Lord can use them anyway didn't say will, said can. There are always consequences for mistakes, and the Lord can use them. The matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son, but God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice, for in Isaac your seed shall be called. Yet I will also, In spite of this mess you've made, make a nation of the son of the bondwoman because he is your seed. I love this verse. We know that all things, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. What is that good? It's not your will being done. It's his will being done. What is God's will? In common, this is his will for every single one of us. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. So this is God's destiny for you and I, to be conformed to the image of his son. This is the good. Everything's being used for good to conform us to the image of his son. Abraham, through this experience, was going to be made more like Jesus the gospel is going to be imprinted in his life in order that he might be his son, the firstborn among many brothers. So everything in your life is being used to make you more like your big brother. God's only begotten son. Well, where does the secondborn fit in his life? He laid down his life and arose from the dead never to die again. He laid down his will so that God's will would reign supreme. Well, that does a number to my theology because I thought he always wanted to do God's will. He did, but it wasn't easy. He prayed, Father, if there's another way, His human will wrestled. There's another way. Do it. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will be done. So beware of plaques on the wall that just have verse 28 and not verse 29. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Yes, I'm called. So everything's going to work out for good. You're going to be disappointed because good is how we define it. God's definition of good is that you and I are made like his son, our firstborn brother. This is the truth. This is the whole point of the gospel. This is the path you're on. You have a unique calling. You have unique things to do in life. But we all have this one thing in common. To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, on earth I long to be like him. All through life's journey, from earth to glory, I only ask, Lord may that not be a lie, to be like him. Perceived injustice cannot stop God's provision. Abraham rose early in the morning, took bread and a skin of water, putting it on her shoulder. He gave it and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. The water in the skin was used up. She placed the boy under one of the shrubs. Then she went and sat across from him at a distance of about a bow shot. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she perceived injustice. You may think God is not always fair. And in the temporal realm, it appears to be. But in the eternal perspective, (laughs) it's all going to work out, baby. It's all going to work out, and you're going to like it. You're going to like it. She sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. And the Lord provided. God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? The God who hears has heard your son. Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. He feels abandoned, don't you abandon him. God opened her eyes, she saw a well of water, she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. For God was with the lad. He grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. And he got a wife from Egypt, like his mama. Divine blessings continue past our lifespans. If you fulfill God's will in your life, which is what we're called to do, the blessing flows past. It's more than just about us. That's why we're called to go through some tough stuff. Because God's doing something. He's doing something. Well, I feel like I've just been sidelined. Well, God's putting this puzzle together. It's not time for that piece. Not time yet. Abraham breathed his last, chapter 25. Died in a good old age, an old man full of Years. He had six more kids by another wife, Keturah, and was gathered to his people, and his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah. Then Abraham was buried. There Abraham was buried, and it's Sarah his wife. So it's a grave that he purchased years earlier to bury Sarah, and he was buried there. And it came to pass, after the death of Abraham, that God blessed his son Isaac, and Isaac dwelt at Bir Lahiroy. Remember that? I wonder how he found that. Maybe Ishmael showed him. I don't know. But he too was reminded that God sees. Elroy, the well of the God who sees. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that we would filter these truths, these lessons through our lives, that we would see where we are in our walk with you in surrendering of our will to do your will. In Jesus' name, Lord, may we not yield to the temptation to create an Ishmael, but Lord, may we move ahead. And Lord, may we not surrender to depression and live a life full of regret and immobilized and afraid to do anything because of the Ishmael's things that we have done, the messes we have made. Lord, we trust you with those things. Use them for your glory. Make them a blessing, even though we know they're not your ultimate purpose for our life. In Jesus' name, we give you all the praise and honor. Amen.
1: Call these bones to live. Call these lungs to sing. Once again, I will praise Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. You silence fear, all oh, Jesus. darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, your name, your name is a light that the shadows can't deny, your name cannot be overcome.
2: journey through Genesis I don't want to be in Genesis for the rest of my life but you can I mean it's just so rich so you know next Sunday will be another part of the story but I feel there's some people here that do not need to just let this be another Sunday that there's such a life principle in this of surrendering our will to his will much of American modern Christianity is only therapy not life-changing. Life-changing is where my feelings no longer reign supreme, but his does. Doesn't God care about my feelings? Yes, he does, but they have to be in the back seat. They can no longer be in the front seat of our life. So this therapeutic theology has got to surrender. So if God has spoken to your heart, find a place to pray while they worship some more. The front is open. Your chair is open. But don't let this moment pass by. Because destiny is here. You can prevent all kinds of pain and things you regret. And on your deathbed, you can be surrounded by the fruit of you surrendering to the Lord. Amen.
3: God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant and faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven you do just what you say. Though the storms may come, though.
4: is definitely, brothers and sisters, a spirit-breathed word that was given by Pastor Allen this morning, there's no doubt in my mind. Um, During the first part of worship this morning, God gave me a passage that I just want to share with you, but before I do, let me just say this. Um, We as brothers and sisters in Christ find ourselves every day now saying one thing that God cannot say. I find myself doing it almost every day as I look at the news or I talk to people, and I find myself saying, what in the world is going on? And you know, God can't say that. God can't say that because he is El Roy. He is the God who sees. This is not original with me, but let me paint this picture for you. It's almost like um, we're, we're watching a parade, that is passing by and we're standing behind a fence and we're actually looking at that parade through a knothole. And as we see through this knothole, we can see the band go by and the mounted people go by and even the people that are behind them, the mounted horses that are cleaning up and sometimes we see that and that's not great. But God operates from the position that he is flying over the parade. He sees everything he sees the beginning of the parade and he sees the end of the parade that is where God is there is nothing that surprises God he is indeed El Roy he is El Roy so I just want to encourage each and every one of us when we get up in the morning we look at the news we we go what in the world is going on today be encouraged because you serve a God that doesn't say that he knows exactly what's going on He knows what's going on every day. And the truth of the matter is is that he is executing his plan flawlessly. He loves people. He wants the most people that he can gather in in the harvest. And he's doing exactly that to make sure that the harvest that he brings will be maximized. He is a good God. Amen? So I want to read from a Psalm of David this morning, Psalm 37. I'll just briefly... Read it in uh, just a few verses so that you can understand his perspective. Psalm 37 says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also, also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Don't worry about the wicked. God is gonna deal with the wicked. And then I'll drop down to verse 35. Brothers and sisters, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Depart from evil and do good, and dwell forevermore for the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints amen be encouraged brothers and sisters he will never forsake you he will never forsake the righteous David never saw it you and I will never see it the righteous will never be forsaken God is good amen